You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Afternoon. Hey, I can hear you. Will Gibson. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you too. And special guest, Adam Jocelyn. Hello. Hey, well, welcome. Well, but first, we, before we talk to our special guest, I want to acknowledge that in the last couple episodes, we've had some audio problems. Uh, we had a lot of listeners tell us. Uh, yeah, we we are down and dirty. Uh, we don't do much editing, but uh, we got it resolved. It was just a problem on my team speak, and I fixed it. So we're good. But uh, let's talk to Adam Jocelyn. Thanks for coming on the show. Now, um, we're going to start off with uh, trying to get to know you, and I want to hear about when did you first hear the word iRacing, and what did you do about it? Well, I was on a ship in the Navy, and a shipmate of mine who used to race at USA Speedway, which is now torn down, was talking about it. And we, I went online, looked it up, and I somehow found a picture of some or a video of someone racing the cars on USA on the sim, and I, I subscribed. <laughs> Okay, I haven't heard the start from the Navy uh, on a ship. That's a, a new one. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, and so why do you pick iRacing over other racing? Um, over here, there's a lot more structure. It's not so random. It feels like when you go into a race, there's actually some meaning to it. You're not just chopping on for a race at 8.13 and people smashing into each other's structure. and There's a, a community. Yeah, and you're racing real people kind of thing. All right, well, we recently added you here to Tifosi Racing, and uh, certainly welcome you. Uh, we know that in 2020, uh, we've already talked about you're going to be running Road to Pro, NASCAR iRacing Series, that kind of thing. But what are you running now? Uh, what do you normally run? Um, for, for the longest time, I raced super late models on here for quite a bit, and uh I didn't do so hot in that, and it kind of wore off. So these past couple months and weeks, I've just been running SK modifieds and tour modifieds with some with some super late model races sprinkled in between. Okay, so uh, I rating on the oval almost at five thousand, and uh, winning percentage overall twenty four percent. This year, though, forty eight percent. I know you're running a bunch of races trying to get that I rating up just a bit before Road to Pro starts. Uh, I think you're in striking distance uh, as far as I rating goes. You know, as far as uh, having a good run or a legit run. Yeah, I just need need a little bit more. It uh, it was up to fifty seven at one point, and I think I stopped paying attention to it and really caring, and it dropped down to forty two. And I want to make another go at it this year, try and get it up around six or so, and I think I'll be okay. Be be top split and road to pro and try and give a chance okay so let's talk uh about the new tire model uh what are your thoughts on that compared to what it was before on uh on the cars you've tried it on <laughs> the, the the first time i tried it was at a in a league race at indy um and i went into turn three not quite knowing to, what to expect and i went straight in the wall so I, I learned quickly you have to uh you have to wait for the tire to warm up but once it warms up to optimal temperature and and uh it, it feels pretty good i like it yeah i think you can feel it a little more somehow i don't know if, how to you explain can, that you can yeah. drive it a little more it's, right. it's a little more forgiving okay very good looking forward to that going into the new year uh what type of uh, hardware are you using 
or wheels, pedals, uh, monitors, or VR, and third-party software? Um, I'm using a Fanatec. There's actually a backstory to how I got half of my equipment. I'm running a Fanatec 2.5 base with a Fanatec hub and a steering wheel rim out of my buddy's race car. And I'm running the V3 pedals and the Fanatec um, I'm on triple monitors as well. Okay. And what's the backstory? Um, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the hub on Facebook. Yeah, I've seen it. It's like some kind of hardware giveaway thing. Yeah. I um, bent like 10 and one won the Fanatec 2.5. And I, I was running a G29 at the time, and I was heck with it. I'll just buy the pedals. So I took the money and bought the pedals, had extra money left over, bought some tracks, went and did it again, and then won the, the wheelbase for the second time. And that time I took the the um that time I took this the wheelbase so essentially got all of it for twenty bucks. That is crazy. So you're living proof that that's not a scam, <laughs> right? No, it's not. I don't do it anymore. I don't need to. Well, I don't know if I've seen it anymore. Maybe it's uh it fell out of my stream, but uh, I, I don't. Hidden. Yeah, I don't like to gamble, but it's almost like a form of gambling, right? Yes, very. <laughs> I've lost more than I've won. Well, there you go. But, uh, okay, nice setup. So triples, uh, how big are the triple monitors? 27-inch. Uh, um, okay. Acers. All right, very good. And uh, what about third-party software? Um, I just run TeamSpeak. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. Discord for painting. I use GIMP. But other than that, I don't use anything in the background. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about um, what is... Uh, you know, your your what brought you to Tifosi Racing? Uh, what were you thinking when you said, "Hey, I want to contact these guys and and get involved and see what they can do to you know kind of get me going in the right direction?" Um, I'm I'm a big podcast guy, so I I listen a lot to a bunch of podcasts, and this is probably my number one to listen to. And I heard you guys talk and sound like a good structure of a team. And I've been on a couple of teams. One one of them it just uh, seemed like there was a lot of secrets and not much teamwork. The structure wasn't there. Went went to another team and we worked together for a while and it they uh everybody just stopped kind of talking so I'm just I was looking for a team that maybe I can I can help and they can help me and we can go win some races. Well, I like to ask uh, you know when we get people that have been on other teams. I mean, you've been on here for a little while. You've seen our uh, pretty crazy. Well, it's actually kind of tame this time of year. Uh, Facebook Messenger thread. Uh, and you kind of see, you know, who gets, who's involved and who isn't. So what do you think so far? I like it. Seems like a good group of guys laid back, but love racing. And they, uh, I'm going to sit here. Yeah, I, I like it. All right. Very good. Well, we get into season, things change a bit. We'll be talking a lot more about setups and stuff and trying to figure out what we're getting, what we got for the week. Um, and so forth. So, um, well, certainly welcome to the team, Adam, Jocelyn. Uh, we're happy to have you. Um, and, you know, you're the highest I rating on the team, too. And, and I told you that when we started, but we want to rally around you and see what we can do in the team, in the road to pro. I mean, you have the I rating to be in the first or second split for sure and, and get some good championship points every time they run, which is like every couple weeks. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, making sure you have a set to go with it, right? Uh, yeah, that and keeping the nose to the grindstone. I've, I've started it a couple times and it's gone away. So, hope, yeah, I uh, got a good, we get, got a good group of guys here. and I hope I can be a good piece to the team and add to it and not just be a, a turtle on the log sitting here. Well, I'm going to be available. I, I'm thinking about maybe trying to spot for you. 
um, on those nights and uh, instead of running. Uh, normally, I would like to race, uh, but of course, I don't have the R rating to really uh, take a proper stab. So uh, maybe we'll do spotting. You know, we got some crew chiefs or wannabe crew chiefs too, and so we'll see how that works. Yeah, sounds good to me, man. Okay. Uh, final question then: What is your most memorable I racing moment so far? Oh, it uh, it's probably got to be finishing second in the Indy 500 last year and third the year before. It's just a long, grueling race and survival and just trying to have a chance at that end of the race is nuts well yeah that's saying something for sure that's a tough race uh full distance of course and um yeah crazy it, it, you gotta adjust the car every single corner with the weight jackers and it's you, you gotta drive that race and pay attention and keep your keep uh you, you can lose focus in the middle of that race because you get a long green run and you're just sitting there holding the gas down you can stop paying attention okay very good and so uh People uh, will be able to follow your racing where? Uh, of course, at Tafosi Racing on Facebook and Twitter, but do you have uh, your own uh, Twitch or anything like that? Um, yeah, I have my own Twitch, Jossad83. It's a J-O-S-S-A-D-8-3. Haven't used it in a while, but I plan to. Um, that's also the name of my, my Twitter. I have a racing page on Facebook, but I lost access to it, so I don't use that anymore. Well, there you go. All right, well, welcome. Uh, let's get into the topics. David, you're up first. All right. Well, I'm sure everybody knows it's uh, that time of year when the first favorite event that signals the return of the season, sort of. Uh, we're coming up on the 2020 24 hour of Daytona. And uh, the biggest, I guess, highlight is that there is some balance of power. So I'll, I'll actually dive into that first before I talk about some of the other details. Uh, they're adding another 10 kilograms to the Ferrari. It, it basically never gets any love. Um, they're adding five kilograms to, to the Porsche on the GTE class and five kilograms to the BMW. So basically everybody is driving those and nobody's driving the Ford. So they're trying to balance those out a little bit. And also the Mercedes down in the GT3 class is getting a five, yeah, five kilogram bump. So it's going to be a full 24 hours with dynamic sky, dynamic weather. It's a team event. you got to have at least two drivers. The stop and go limit is set for a thousand incidents. I'm sorry, not a thousand. Oh God, a hundred. That would be enough. A uh, hundred instruments, and then twenty after every time after that, with a no DQ limit. Um, remember, when you see that stop and go penalty pop up, you're going to immediately see like a twenty-seven second penalty, unless you have all of your stuff cleared on your pit settings. It basically automatically changes that penalty based on what your pit is set to, not by what it is set to when you pit, but before you pit. So a lot of people were getting confused by that. Um, License-wise, you have to have at least a D Class 4. It's obviously the Daytona Road Course. There's two events. Um, the first one is on Saturday, this, starting on Saturday the 17th, or actually the 18th at 0100 GMT, but that's the 17th for, for most American listeners. Um, so yeah, 8 p.m. Eastern. And then the second race starts at 1300 GMT, which is 8 a.m. Eastern. Um, next he's, weekend. Next week, yeah, it's coming up. And the sim start time, the the green flag is actually going to drop at two thirty five in the afternoon. Uh, and that is that's the essentials of the of the race. 
we're looking forward to it. We've got a preliminary schedule set up with a kind of our heavy hitters driving a little bit heavier and some of our other guys because of, especially because of their tight schedules running just a couple of stints, but everybody's getting to kind of pitch in and uh, we'll, we have the schedule ready to change as we need to. We mentioned, we also covered a spreadsheet a few weeks ago, I think, and we've, I've been using it on all of our events as well as the stuff I've been doing with the elite West and it's uh it's pretty handy. So we're excited about this. We're going to go out and have some fun. And the goal is basically drive home with a clean car. All right. Very good. Yeah. Ready to go um, next week. And uh, we're going to have a practice race when? Friday? Yeah. I'm I'm actually going to be working on a flyer tonight. Well, tomorrow night we'll host a race. We're going to throw it up, probably have a 40-minute qualifying slash practice session. Basically, just open qualifying instead of having everybody sit around during a qualifying time, and then um, run the race, run a race for say about 80, 80 or seventy minutes. Uh, and I like to do something for practice races, and that's turn damage off. So we're going to turn the damage off, but we're going to have a stop and go every ten exits. Uh, that it. Uh, so remember that if you do get your stop and go, you want to clear everything. There's a lot of buildup for this race, probably more so I think than any race. If you look in hosted uh, this week or even last week, or even the week before, all you see are Daytona 24 practices. I mean, there are a ton of people actively practicing. I think last night uh, there were at least three or four dozen rooms with uh, anywhere from, you know, five to 50 people. And uh, there were probably several hundred people practicing for that race last night. Well, not only do we ha- do you have the official races that, that are coming out, there's a lot of leagues that are also doing their own versions of the 24, or they're doing a 24 the week before, or they're doing like a special 2.4. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been all Daytona, all day, all week. See, uh, winter's over, guys. All right, let's keep moving. Adam, tell us about Season 4 Contest. All right, we got some winners here. Otto Zabini, ladies and gentlemen, sorry for the delay. Congratulations to Loic Barbet of Club France. Loic is the winner of Season 4 SimiCube Contest. He will be the proud recipient of the new SimiCube 2 Pro Direct Drive Steering System courtesy of SimiCube. Congratulations. The winner of Season 4 SimLab Contest is Roscoe Walker of Club Australia, New Zealand. Congratulations, Roscoe. You have won a SimLab P1X racing chassis. Thanks to all that participated. Stay tuned for some more great prizes and more great partners. I mean, the, you can't get better prizes than that. I mean, that's no. top-of-the-line <laughs> stuff, man. The P1X uh, chassis is uh, probably, I would say, easily the most popular chassis of 2019. Um, a lot of people were buying that and talking about it, and people on our team got it, including you. Yeah, and, that's uh, awesome. The SemiCubes 2, uh, that's a pretty good wheel, too. All right, Will, we got a reminder about uh, the beta test this Saturday. Yeah, so if you're looking to get that I tested badge or certificate, um, we have the special beta UI test event. Um, it is going to be a single car event. It looks like they're going to be using the MX-5 at the new Lime Rock. Um, but there's going to be 50 car fields. Time slots are going to be 9 a.m. Eastern, noon Eastern, and 3 o'clock Eastern. Um Looks like this Saturday, so it should be a good chance to get out there, put the beta UI under a heavy stress load to make sure it's going to be ready for these special events this upcoming year and uh, a good chance to get that eye tested. I love the 50-car field thing. That's awesome. Yeah, it is going to split via eye rating. 
Um, it looks like you get the eye tested, I think, just for signing up for the event. But uh, yeah, 50 Miatas at Lime Rock. Um, that top split race is probably going to be a pretty entertaining one. Yeah, it'd be cool to see a broadcast of that. But uh, yeah, guys, if you're available Saturday during the day, jump in and help these guys out. They got to test the infrastructure and they can't do it unless we put a heavy load on it. And that's what they want to try. Okay, next up, uh, forum poll about lagging back on starts. Uh, member Chris Bruttermer asked, should the leader be allowed to lag behind the pace car on a forum via the poll? Uh, yes, the leader controls the start was 45%. No, uh, leader to stay at the pace car speed, 55%. Uh, what do you guys think? How'd you vote? I agree. I think uh, I think the leader should hold a consistent pace and not slow down. And what happens in real races? I mean, he's not on there anymore, but I can hear I can hear David Hoots in my ear right now screaming at guys for shenanigans during the restart. Yeah, I'm on a modified team, and we we uh, we get yelled at over the radio if our driver's doing something funny. Right. But what if you're not slowing down, but you're just speeding up a little before the green flies? Well, once you start accelerating, you're going to make people trigger, and somebody's going to think it's actually go you're, that you're going, and then they're going to jump the restart, and it's going to cause accidents. Yeah, so it, it's a little bit confusing the way it's kind of worded. Uh, the question in parentheses, should the leader be allowed to lag behind the pace car? Like, maybe the pace car is 20 uh, car lengths ahead, uh, or should you be, like, right up behind it? Is that what he's asking? Well, if that's the case, the rest of the field should base themselves off the leader, and the leader oh, exactly. bases himself off the pace car. Um, as far as going on the start, if you put the pedal down you keep it down no starting lifting and going again because we see a lot of incidents especially in road racing rolling starts where that happens i don't think we see it as much on the oval side most people that go go but uh yeah if you're gonna go go no none of this uh trickery at the start but yeah everybody should be pacing themselves off the leader and the leader should be pacing himself off the pace car now my big pet peeve is you're the field needs to be stacked up, nose to tail on restarts. No gaps, guys. I mean, not even a car length. And uh, I try to, I actually try to, uh, you know, to remind people in races, like if I'm in carb cup or pickup cup, uh, some guy up ahead is leaving a big gap. I'll just get on the radio and say, hey, come on, nose to tail, tighten us up, you know, and kind of remind people, hey, you know, you don't see a NASCAR race where they do that. And if they do, it's a penalty. Um, I think Daniel Suarez had a, a issue this year where he was laying back just a car length or two on a restart, and he got a warning. So, guys, uh, let's race like professionals out there. All right? Yeah, go ahead. No, I 100% I agree with that. Close up the gaps. Don't be lagging back a mile. Right. Yeah, you're like, well, I don't want to get in a wreck, and I don't want to run into the guy, and what if they don't go? And you know what? You're ruining it your track position for everybody behind you. You know, sometimes that track position is so valuable that you're giving up on that start because it's so hard to regain. That plus if you're three car lengths back and you go and he doesn't, now you have all that time to build up speed. If you're right on their bumper, they're going to go when you go. You'll be right there ready to push. So uh, I think leaving a gap is just more of a chance to be in an incident and cause more damage than a small bump if you're bunched up. Well, and it also puts you at the opportunity of jumping the start, you know, like getting to the guys outside and and whatnot, maybe uh, prematurely. 
it, it causes an accordion effect too, because that guy leaving a gap might think the car in front of him's going. He gets going, runs to the back of the car in front of him, and then there's curating a pileup behind you, people smashing into each other. Yep. All right. Uh, next forum post. Uh, I was telling everyone to race NIS with us. Uh, we had a post from a longtime iRacing member, Dustin Graham. He took a hiatus, and according to the forums, he's back after a two-year break. Uh, he was wondering what to run and he was kind of talking about NASCAR. And so I'm like, Hey, NIS is where to be. Um, so we'll see if he shows up, hopefully. I mean, what do you think about prestige of, uh, racing NASCAR races? Uh, I mean, the A, a series is a open, a fixed. Uh, I mean, those are, those are always good to win. Uh, those are 12 week series. Uh, I don't know if they have as much prestige as the NIS, which is, you know, all year long. I think just the grind of the NIS season being 36 weeks, um, I think we're only given, what, six drop weeks? Um, yeah. That's a lot of commitment to the series and longer races. Um, I think there is definitely a more prestige with that. Plus, it was at one point in time the series to get into the eNASCAR World Championship. So it's, a, I would say, definitely a lot of prestige there. Yep. So Dustin, Graham, come race with us. We'll have you. All right, Will. Uh, Check this out, GTR24H, the join iRacing. And uh, I looked into this, and it was cool. Yeah, I had to do a little research when I was typing this up for the script here, but an R-Factor 2 league, I think that's what you would consider them, is a GTR24H. They're moving from R-Factor 2 to iRacing. Um, one of their founders put up a pretty good forum post. Uh, I'm going to pronounce the first name John. I do not want to try that last name. But uh, he posted up, and basically one of the key takeaways I took out of it was a quote here from him. Our trust in R-Factor 2 as an eSports platform is no longer there. It might be again sometime in the future, but certainly not now. Um, now, their premier championship is EWC, or Endurance E-Racing World Championship. Um, it's a buy-in league. Um, there's an early bird price of 325 euros. Jumps up to 375, I believe, in a couple days here. Um but basically what that pays for is entry into the championship and their season finale, which is actually a lane event, which is a 24-hour of Le Mans. And that's what these guys specialize in is the lane event where they put everyone in, in, a, you know, in a, a meeting hall or whatever uh, all together and they have like a tournament you know, and um, a proper tournament. And, and that's really cool. And uh, one of the members, Marcelo Mayo, uh, he's been involved in these things, and he actually uh, gave some more perspective about it, too, in the forum post um, about what that's all about and what they're doing. It sounds really cool. Yeah, it sounds like they ran a haul out. They have one room dedicated to the sim rigs, which you can only have one driver in at a time with the accession of the driver swap. Um, and they actually dim the lights as it goes night during the race to kind of add some ambiance. And then there's a second hall where you actually have your pit area, which has tents and stuff of that nature, where you could camp out with your team and work on your strategy and stuff of that nature there. So it's it's a pretty unique sounding event. It sounds very unique, and I would love to see a, a broadcast of one of these with iRace. And one thing is uh, the teams bring their own simulator rig. Um, they, if they don't have, like, cookie-cutter ones for you to use, uh, you actually bring your own stuff. And... Uh, that's kind of cool, too. Yeah, it's a very unique, very unique uh, league and competition. I can't wait to hear more about it as time goes on. Um, this is what I would love to see. 
for like an e-NASCAR event, especially having the your unique personal rigs there and team set up separate from the drivers. I just think this is going to be a really cool thing to watch. And is what's neat is we're absorbing uh, new subscribers from our factor. You know, obviously their stuff is not up to snuff anymore uh, as far as these land parties go. And they can't trust it is basically what he was saying, like you said. And so they're coming to iRacing because we're, a, you know, a proven platform. I, I mean, it's going to turn instead of a LAN event, it'll, it'll just have to have really good internet, you know. Okay, next up, a debate about green-white checker. Well, there's a forum post, uh, people talking about it um, and so forth. And remember, Chris Carroll um, basically, you know, was making some suggestions. And anyway, uh, Tony Gardner, the CEO of uh, iRacing, chimed in and uh, stated, uh, we do think that NIS races should remain at three, but always listening to feedback, the goal is to make most people happy. And there is some insight into how they kind of landed on um, how many green-white checkers and for what series. But the, the series that have it are all the NASCAR series, A, B, and C, and then NIS, and then obviously the, the pro and peak type series. Um, the NIS races uh, are three, and then the A, B, and C open, which are also a longer distance typically, are three. While the short A, B, and C fixed are set at one. Well, that's actually new because the last time I ran an A open, it was just one. I thought it was two. Maybe Tony is mistaken or maybe they changed it. I don't know. It started off as three, but after the first season of, of it being a part of the picture, the next season they rolled it back to one for, all, for the A opens. Yeah. I think it's good the way it is. Um, but I took the opportunity uh, because Tony was on the thread to to chime in and say, hey, uh, we can get stages. If we got green-white checkers, can we get stages? At least in NIS. And I think on a half-distance race, uh, a stage break would be about a third of the way through the race You have one stage break only. And then on the full-distance races, we do it just like NASCAR does. On the Daytona 500, we have the three stages. But on the 600, you know, we have four, just like NASCAR. I, I have an idea about that. Let's hear it. Maybe, uh, I don't know how they would count points, but maybe award some type of I rating or safety rating per uh, per stage. Yeah. I don't know. I was, I mean, that was the next part of the top discussion. As soon as I said that is, uh, what's the incentive to win a stage? Uh, just like you said, um, is it I rating? Is it safety rating? Well, in my opinion, it has to be championship points. I mean, that's why we're running NIS, or at least I am. I'm running for points. And uh, why not have some bonus points for, or, or some kind of bonus points for the top 10 of these stage races, just like NASCAR does to some de de degree? I think it could be done. Um, iRacing keeps a lap chart of what position we run every lap. I think they, it's just a matter of them being able to code it to where, hey, lap 100 out of 300, we're going to award points um, out of, like, say, a 50% of what you would get for finishing in those order. I mean, I feel like it could be done. It's probably not towards the front of their list of things to do, um, but it's definitely possible. I mean, with the whole thing with the Peak Series and NBC and and all that, and NASCAR so involved, and they want it to look like the NASCAR product, I mean, 
uh, a big part of NASCAR these days is these stage, uh, you know, finishes, you know, uh, when they go to try to get those extra points. And they made a difference in the championship uh, playoffs this year. Uh, you know, people going for those points in the first and second stage, you know, before going for the win. And I think in the NIS races, we could experience that same kind of excitement and behavior if, uh, you know, people really gearing up or doing a, a, the pit strategy where you're really trying to win the stage and you're not really worried about the overall at this moment because, you you know, you're just trying to get some points. And uh, I like the idea. This It's exciting. I, I hope they do it. I don't know. But, uh, David, a part of me says we already have too many cautions, right? Yeah, well, it depends on the race, you know. Um, it, funnily, the harder, more technical tracks usually have the least cautions. At least that's the way it was most of last year. Go to somewhere like Rockingham, you'll barely have any cautions. Well, you know, I'll talk about it more, but we were running that winter series, and Texas and, and like, Charlotte were caution fed. And then we run New Hampshire, and there's, like, two cautions the whole race. Right. Probably because drivers are acting like every lap is a stage sometimes. I, I like the idea. I mean, I think it would be hard for our racing because you can't have stages in A open or A fixed, and so you have to, like, program it separately. Then, you know, right now, I think the, you know, A open, A fixed, and NIS, and peak, they're all similar to degrees. But if you have that kind of programming, it's only for certain series, you know, it, can they just flip a button and turn it off, you know? Well, they could do it with the damage model and tires on different cars. I don't see why they couldn't do it for a, a format, like a tree, like almost like heat racing, just a format they set up when a they format the change, yeah. All right, get on it soon. Hashtag soon. All right, Adam, next up. The Podium Esports Daytona 500. All right. This is something I'm looking forward to, and I've got circled circled this year. Sim Motorsports, the only distributor of track racer products in the United States, will be the presenting sponsor for the second annual Podium Esports Daytona 500 on February 2nd, 2020. The winner of the Podium Esports Daytona 500 will also win a track racer TR80 cockpit courtesy of Sim Motorsports. The rig is valued at 4 at $549. Nice. That's the new uh, sub $500 rig, uh, 80-20 rig we've been talking about the last few weeks. Well, that sounds nice. Um, the winner of the dual races on Daytona 500 qualifying day will also win a pair of custom-designed gloves courtesy of a bruzy racewear. Nice. Well, they got some really quality prizes. Uh, this uh, event is really taken off, guys, uh, since Podium has started. And uh, I would say this is easily the most prestigious 500 going on uh, here in Speed Weeks uh, outside of the official racing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Almost made it in last year, but uh, got spun out in a transfer spot. Okay. We're looking forward to maybe helping you spot or something for that. That'll be fun. Uh, James Pike uh, over there at Podium. Uh, contacted him this week uh, he's been on the show before we're actually uh, going to have him back on january 30th which is right in the middle of speed weeks the thursday uh right before their po their uh, big uh, daytona 500 we're gonna have james come on the show and tell us what's going on uh with the podium uh, daytona 500 and uh, talk about uh what's hot and what's not so uh well uh, we're looking forward to seeing james on the show uh they got a great outfit over there all right, next up, E-NASCAR, uh, formerly known as Peak. Uh, we still don't know who the title sponsor is, but boy, we have got news, guys. Uh, let's go through it. Uh, basically here, I'm going to go in chronological order over the last seven days. Um, 
But first of all, we heard up that this week that at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, they're going to bring in all 40 drivers that did qualify for the 2020 eNASCAR iRacing World Championship Series to attend Media Days. So Media Days is an event they hold every year at the Hall of Fame for the NASCAR drivers to come talk to national media as well as uh, get their videos taken by NBC for promotional videos and intros and outros and that kind of thing. And so uh, so what they're doing is they're bringing in these uh, peak drivers to do it the day before the NASCAR drivers do it uh, kind of thing. And uh, so they're using the same facilities and, and whatnot and uh, bringing them all together. So they're there today. Uh, and so there's been a lot of activity uh, about that. So the next up announcement was Richmond Raceway uh, decided, uh, well, they designed Zach Novak, uh, our current champion, uh, to their team. Um, the next announcement was Jimmy Mullis will return uh, uh, with uh, Zach Novak to the Richmond uh, Raceway Esports team. Uh, the next announcement was Ryan Lusa had joined William Esports. And then we had a, uh, well, it wasn't really an announcement, but a tweet from Junior Motorsports that basically confirmed they're keeping the same drivers, Mike Conti and Brad Davies. Uh, next up was the Wood Brothers. Uh, John Woods uh, tweeted out a picture of him with Chris Overland and Garrett Lowe. And uh, those are his drivers. And then um, motorsports writer Justin Milillo, we've uh, quoted him before. He's following this stuff real closely. In fact, he is there in Charlotte at the Hall of Fame. Um, he uh, put together a graphic showing uh, who has been announced so far. And so uh, you got uh, TDM uh, has Michael Guest, Blake Reynolds, and then Junior Motorsports I just mentioned, Wood Brothers I mentioned, Jim Beaver Esports is Michael Grigula and Eric Smith, and then William Esports is Ryan Luza with Matt Busa. So we only have heard a, a handful of the driver announcements so far. Um, next up, uh, Justin uh, Milillo. Uh, Put up a video on Twitter. Uh, he was actually getting an interview one-on-one -on -one with Zach Novak. Um, and it also showed uh, on social media throughout the day, guys, uh, what's been going on. They, uh, they had Instagram stories where they're doing the NBC shoots where there's like lasers and smoke. And, and they line the guys up and take videos of them and have them pose and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and then they were having meetings. They would split them into groups of like 10 or 12. And uh, they were meeting with the uh, NASCAR race director, uh, competition director. Um, and you can see them in a, like a boardroom setting. Uh, the, the competition director is kind of at the head of the table, you know, kind of telling them what the rules are kind of thing. Uh, very interesting. And then just about an hour ago, William Byron uh, announced his drivers, Nick Ottinger and John Gorlinski. And uh, they're going to be on the William Byron eSports team. Uh, great lineup there. So uh, exciting times for these guys to all come to Charlotte. It all comes together pretty quick, huh? Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. I wish they could have, I wish I could have gone to the event. Um, I wish it would have been open to the public for fans and stuff to go to since it's not too far from here. Um, but it's really cool. All the drivers had nothing but good to say about the whole event. 
Looks like they even had uh, Evan Post, can't pronounce his last name, Postkino come out. Uh, oh, the, the announcer. announcer. Yeah, he went out to the event today. Um, so there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. In fact, the last update on Twitter is they're actually all at the GoPro Moto Motoplex about to race some uh, goat karts. So they're all having a good time right now. Boy, so, what an opportunity. This definitely leads to a lot of speculation that that broadcast is going to be a regular thing, not just on, not just on the web next year. Good point, David. I was saying that earlier. If if NBC is taking the time to take all these videos and these promos and these shots, they're not doing that to hand them over to iRacing to stick in a YouTube video. They're making those so they have stuff to go in and out of commercials. They're, that means they're broadcasting the season, guys. I don't see it any other way. I would say a hundred percent. If not the whole recent, the whole season, they'll definitely do probably majority of the races for sure. But yeah, every every picture we saw, it looked just like what you would see going in and out of a commercial break when somebody takes a lead. Um, it's definitely um, definitely going to be used for broadcast. It's just like watching uh, Kevin Harvick attend media days in the past, or any other driver, Martin Truex Jr. They go through the same thing, you know. They they go in there and they take their video and they put them in front of some red lights and smoke and stuff. And yeah, pretty neat. Is it NBC or is it Fox? That's the other thing. you got to remember, Fox has the beginning of the year with NASCAR. I wonder if they're going to be involved or if this is an NBC exclusive. Uh, hard to tell. But it well, is good to hear that the announcer guy, uh, Evan, is there, though. and That kind of indicates he's involved. Yeah, and for me, his voice is, is as attached to Peak as, you know, Daryl Waltrip was with Fox. It's just who I like to hear when I'm watching the Peak race. Well, we uh we'll give Fox uh the truck series and NBC will take the uh the E NASCAR series. Okay. Uh and then title sponsor. I mean, we heard from uh some rumors, I'll just say it that way, from friends of the podcast that there's no worry about a title sponsor. It's just uh, they're wrapping up kind of thing. But, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, uh, I, we were kind of thinking it would be announced today. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. Who knows? Yeah, I uh, I I know who I'm thinking it is. Um, I'm not going to say anything here, but I was really surprised they didn't announce it today, hopefully tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we'll hear soon. But I'm sure they wouldn't go through all this effort and doing all this media day if they didn't have a title sponsor. Well, I think so they would. They were, I they still were pretty think they confident. They were definitely pretty confident they had something in the line, line, you know, quite a while ago because they had already announced the prize pool was going to be tripling. So they had to have, be pretty confident at least have a word of mouth deal with somebody. Well, it could be a, just a piggyback deal with the regular NASCAR sponsors. You know, remember we have four different uh, companies I think uh, sponsoring NASCAR now instead of Monster. Uh, you got Coke and Geico and whoever else. And doesn't Coke have a new energy drink coming out? You're asking the right person. Yes, they do. All right. Oh, you deliver uh, drinks, mm -hmm. soft uh, soft uh, beverages, right? Yes, sir. Well, there you go. So, I mean, it's hard to say uh, who the sponsor is going to be, but you, I would think that, you know, it'd be neat for NASCAR to say to Coke, who's one of the big sponsors of the series, hey, uh, we're going to throw in this online series as part of the package or you're going to pay us an extra you know x amount of money and this will be part of your package and maybe it's a piggyback kind of sponsor like that well it'll be exciting to find out yeah really uh envious of those guys being able to get together uh 
see each other, meet each other, hang out. They're racing out the go-kart track. Uh, we saw them, I think, last night on social media eating dinner. Uh, they got a night, night. They're staying up. They get hotel rooms and everything. So, uh, sure, what a blast. I saw Christian Chowder flew over the pond to go. To, that's pretty neat. That's a trip. Yeah, yeah. You got to remember, some of these guys are outside the U.S. So, all right. Well, we're looking forward to seeing what's next. Uh, we're, we're trying to get Justin Milillo on the show two weeks from now uh, to tell us more about uh, his experiences at the Hall of Fame, uh, what he saw there, and what's going on. Uh, I, I'm sure two weeks by now, everything uh, we're going to have all the drivers announced by then and whatnot. So, we're excited to have Justin on. Uh, I'll give a quick update on next week's guest. Uh, Will, who do we got? Oh, we got Anthony Alfredo uh, next week. Um, he's going to be uh, Xfinity driver for Ra- or Richard Childress Racing next season, part-time. Um, we know him from driving the Sim Seats truck, uh, but he'll be our guest next week. Yeah, we love his YouTube videos as well, and uh, happy to have him on the show. Uh, I think this might be the first time our, we've had a special guest who's an actual NASCAR driver. All right, David, Bathurst, 12-hour. Moving back into the endurance world, uh, Bathurst, 12 hours. Some details have been announced in a form post. It's going to be a 12-hour race. It's going to be starting on a Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern and a Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern, so similar starts to to the way the Daytona race is working. This is going to be on the weekend of February the 7th through the 9th. They are going to set the stop-and-go penalties to be every 50X. Uh, well, no, the first stop-and-go will be at 50X, and then every following at 20x and they're going to evaluate the balance of power adjustments after the daytona 24. okay so that's the next uh, big race on the schedule i guess i th- i have not looked i have to go back and look at the schedule i don't know if it's actually next or if sebring's next but i know those are the those are kind of the the other two spring endurance races that will that will be coming up okay uh next up a post uh, by staff members on the forums about anti-aliasing partly broken after the season one update um and sean dash uh, put up a very detailed post about what he has done what he's doing about it and so forth and uh this really is affecting some of the people on uh, vr um a lot of this is kind of mumbo jumbo to me david do you know exactly what they're talking about it's uh Anyway, the the bottom line is they're working on it. Um, if you run the anti-aliasing and you're having problems with VR, turn it off. That's really uh, what the summary is. Okay, and uh, we have another announcement about uh, a race, but boy, it's coming up quick this Sunday, and money on the on the line too. A lot of it. BMWs. It's the 120 series. It's a two-driver race. It's 120 minutes long. Um, the first race is going to be January 12th at Daytona, There's a, and there's going to be a total of six events in the series. The winner of each, each event receives $1,200 per driver, and wow. entry at the end for a sim event in Munich. There's $600 per driver for second and $300 for third, and um, BMW is going to host their own team of, of factory drivers. Nikki Katzberg and Philip Inge. Boy, and you're gonna have to beat them to get the twelve hundred per driver, right? <laughs> so that's yeah. how they know they're they're keeping their money, right? <laughs> you, you know, I run a lot of the GTE cars, so I don't have the BMW yet, but I'm nowhere near the top split. So it's um it's just really neat how much of this real money is going into the esports, though. 
Yeah. And so this was just announced yesterday and it happens on Sunday. So it is kind of like what you were talking about in the past, Will. I mean, they don't give us a lot of notice about this. I mean, we're a weekly podcast and we're just barely going to uh, get information out about it. Well, this one wasn't, we, we, were, we actually talked about this one about a month ago. Oh, we did. Okay. Yeah, we did. So it was previously announced. Okay. Mm-hmm. This one was. I don't think we knew there was cash though, right? Well, there was uh there was some prizes last year. I believe you got to go to a driving school event with BMW. I believe they confirmed it was going to be coming back, but with no like dates or any other information. Um, it's not as last minute as their releases typically are. Um, I think a lot of the top guys knew this was coming. Um, but we do have, uh, it's a six event series that runs to November 8th. Um, I didn't see anything about any kind of drop weeks or anything. So some guys might be scrambling for their first week, but there's going to be plenty of time for the next five events after this. Yeah. And, um, to be clear, the money, the 1200 per drivers on this event, not just, all right, uh, Will, uh, they're working on a patch. Yeah, so on the 7th, Tyler Hudson kind of chimed in, stating that there should be a patch coming in the upcoming weeks. Um, he was kind of talking about some issues that they were seeing on the forums, and one of them being cars bouncing during pit stops. I felt that, um, yeah. He mentioned a caution lapse not counting is still being worked on, and he also referenced the V7 tire, stating that... It, the tire will continue to be worked on and adjusted, and the team is aware of instability in the Xfinity car. And then on the 8th, a day later, they announced the patch, um, which is going to be out on January 14th. Okay, looking forward to that. Uh, David, we got a update uh, from a listener about that asphalt sprint car I love. We got a shout-out to at RWH. A-R-T-P-E, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, for tweeting and letting us know. As an FYI, the Asphalt Sprints have a populated races around 7.15 p.m. on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So it may be like some of the other races where they kind of have to just get together and almost run a, a league event or plan on everybody being around at a certain time. So um, I'm sure Mike should start hopping on to checking that out. Well, I work Tuesdays and Sundays, at least Thursdays. 7.15, that's when we're recording the podcast. Dang it. So actually, it doesn't work for me. I might try to make some of these on Tuesday if I get out of work early enough. Um, he did mention that it is very similar to a league with the people that pretty much always show up and that there is resources on the forums for setup. Very good. Well, thank you for the update. Uh, hopefully, some listeners will hear me about how awesome that car is, man. If you have that car... And you're available at those times. Go race with those guys. You're going to love it. So, Will, Will, uh, you and I almost have a competition sometimes when we get an idea for a paint job to see who can come up with it first. Haven't we had basically made it a race a couple of times the last couple of weeks? Yeah, Yeah. Will got me one pretty (laughs) darn quick. Yeah, there's – well, the spec paints have made it really fun to – to paint because there's so much more create there's so much more option you can throw in there um but trading paints also put out an interesting challenge recently to guess how many paints were on the site and the closest member uh was at alan crier who guessed basically 2.4 million and the number was almost 2.7 million and according to trading paints that comes out to 23.7 paints per user that's wow (laughs) i had no idea that's uh, pretty much a paint for every user for every car on the service. Oh, 27 per user. Oh, my gosh. 
So that means there's somebody just doing, there's not just somebody, but lots of people that are putting up hundreds of paints, right? I don't know how some people find the time to do it. It's insane. It takes me hours to make one. Well, we found what? that uh, forum thread several weeks ago where the guy had, you know, like several thousand paints. He had every NASCAR paint imaginable that's ever been run in NASCAR. If you just use one of the default backgrounds that they have that come with the pack, it doesn't take too long. I've been able to do a car in an hour or two. Um, it's if you want to try to make something that looks like an original, like real oh, yeah. life paint, that, that that's where it can become really time consuming. I, I, I don't even attempt that. Yeah, I, for, I freehand everything. Okay. It's a while. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I just had no idea it was that much. But thank you to Trading Paints, uh, Steve Luvender over there. Uh, they do a great service for this community. I mean, it's. Uh, I think our racing is better because of Trading Paints. Imagine if it didn't exist, uh, wh how, what kind of limitations we would have. Well, yeah, the in-game paint schemes are rather boring. Right. Okay. Uh, next up, a... Uh, Story from kickinthetires.net, which is a NASCAR beat uh, website. Seth Eggert, staff writer, does a long-form article uh, with Steve Myers, uh, interview one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, we've heard a lot of interviews from Steve Myers before. Um, this one is kind of a different take. Uh, he he kind of talks about the video game industry back when they were starting iRacing. Uh, how they had a different business model than the typical video game company. And uh, the, their approach was they treated themselves as a marketing um, uh, more than a video game company. And, and the business back then was to sell a license. Uh, you know, Formula One will sell a license to this video game company and for a bunch of money, and that's how the transaction worked. When iRacing was, well, we don't have any money to give you, but we'd like to partner up with you, promote your series, and use this as a promotion, you know, to get your car and your series, you know, uh, promoted kind of thing. And so it, it's kind of interesting to hear him talk about it and that, uh, the way that uh, business model kind of, you know, went down and, and uh, how it worked, but it only worked over time. There are some uh, very good quotes in here. Let me find a couple of them. Uh, they went on to talk about uh, the North Wilkesboro thing and how, you know, they're using it, you know, to kind of preserve some history for NASCAR and uh, how Dale Jr. was involved. Uh, they kind of talked about that as well in this article. Yeah, I read it. It was a pretty good read. Yeah. Uh, he talked about uh, why they sponsor real-life racing. Um, and... It, they're doing it more of a, you know, they're helping somebody out like Ty Majeski, you know, um, they're doing it to kind of help him get going kind of thing. They're not really doing it to promote. They're doing it because he's an iRacer, you know, and they were trying to help him out. Uh, in the dirt w world, they partnered with Clint Boyer as a way of promoting what they're doing with dirt. And so that's the reason they, you know, sponsored Clint Boyer was, hey, we're just trying to, you know, do a little cross-promotion. So they're not a typical, you know, NASCAR sponsor. Well, even more now than ever with with the, the partnership with NASCAR, the health of the sim racing and the health of real racing are really intertwined, interrelated. Um, you know, with, with one when one rises, the other rises, then there's there's got to be some NASCAR fans that after trying iRacing out for a while start to feel like, hey, I'd like to go see a real race. And um, 
I kind of I kind of did sim racing actually before I got to go see any real races. It kind of you know started almost all the way back in like one of the old PC games. I think even before NAS, uh, NASCAR two thousand three. Uh, so it's it's one of those things where everybody helping everybody helps everybody. There's there's a there's a circular pay it forward kind of thing almost. Yeah, and then check this out. He says. This quote, that member list continues to grow. iRacing reached 100,000 members at the end of 2019. Within a week, the service had reached 110,000 members. And so uh, he said, not only did we accelerate past the 100,000 at the end of the last year, but now we've just blown right past it. It's really been awesome to see the service grow. And boy, that's some big growth, 10,000 in one week. It's 10%. Right in one week, and it took a hundred. It took what ten years to get the first hundred thousand. And you got seven days, and you go up ten percent. That's that's pretty good. I feel like the number of iRacers online now is almost double what it was a year ago at this time. Um, I'm looking right now. We have six thousand two hundred and thirty-seven iRacers online at the moment, and I feel like there was times where I used to see two, three, two to three thousand. Yeah. And this six, seven thousand seems to be the norm right now. Um. Plus, it took us, what, 10 years to get to 2 billion laps? We're already at 2.59. Um, so we're halfway to another billion already. So we, we have a lot more iRacers on, and they're racing too, which is great. Yeah, great article over at kickingthetires.net. Thank you to those guys for putting that up. Good stuff. Let's go to hardware and software. I was about to say, are you ready to talk some hardware and software? I've got the first one. We've got what looks like an Italian 80-20 style rig by vitesim.com or vitiasim.com. I'm about as good at pronouncing things as Mike is. Um, and I've got, we've got two different links in here. And it, interestingly, they look like they're different designs. Because I, I looked at the first link and it's, a, it's if you know the 80-20 designs, it's a little different. And um, it... I don't know if this slightly different design because it looks like it has more pieces. I wonder if all those extra pieces would affect the stability or not. Because one of the things I love about the A20 8020 rig is how firm and every, everything is held into place. But then if you go back and look at their Facebook posts, most of those rigs look pretty standard 8020 design. Uh, they're based out of Italy, and I didn't see any prices. Yeah, and they just basically are saying they have a new series of car, uh, cockpit. And so... Um... I don't, like you said, I'm not sure exactly what the uh, changes are. I mean, I, you can kind of see, like you said, some extra bits and pieces, um, but it, it's hard to tell. I do like their corner pieces where the frame meets together. Instead yeah. of inside the rig, it's on the outside and they're anodized different colors. That is a, one of the more unique things that I've seen on 8020 rigs lately. Those sharp the, edges, right? The only thing I wonder, though, is that it, how that affects the stability. Yeah, I would say that would be a concern. Um, if it wasn't as stable on the outside, I would still probably put a corner gusset on the inside just to add a little extra stability. But I think it does finish it off really nice, especially with the colors. Uh, that yeah, the the first the one directly on their website that that's the most beautiful looking of the designs I've ever seen. I mean, it just aesthetically looks amazing with the red and black. Right. Yeah, I like the like you said the little corner piece kind of look. And they have different colors. If you scroll down, there's some are gray, some are yellow, they have blue. So it's V I T I E S S Sim.com. Okay, it's a very neat design. We've also been keeping an eye on all the news from the VRS, VRS Direct Drive Wheel. And recently they've put a, 
they've put out a post with a Q&A. Uh, there's a lot of interesting questions on here and answers about it, telling you about the design, uh, how their software is working. You've got a lot of specs. It's going to be a twin nanometer. meter. Um, and I, I could go through and basically read the thread for you. You could check out the link. But if you'd like to get, pick up some information on the uh, VRSDD wheel, check this thread out. Yeah, it's kind of like a, you know, a spec sheet somebody's kind of put together of all the information and on various threads, they just kind of put it all in one place. So if you're interested in wait, you know, buying that wheel when it just uh, comes out, you might be interested in checking this out. It's Ian Worrell uh, posted up in the forums uh, January 3rd on this. Okay, next up, uh, I call it Shots Fired. It appears to me on the forums that the Fanatec uh, CEO was calling out the SimuCube CEO we're saying the Sim Magic company was copying the SimuCube designs, um, and uh, it's interesting what you can see on these forums. But uh, especially, you know, people high up in these uh, Sim equipment companies, kind of going back and forth at each other, uh, complaining about copycats. What do you think? Is this the right place to the, the right forum, so to speak, to kind of? Uh, uh, grief some uh, grievances about potential uh, copyright infringement? Well, when I first saw this, uh, I was like, these guys are both setting themselves up for liable lawsuits. Yeah, Thomas Jägermeier, he's the guy involved with Fanatec. And then Mika Takala is the guy with the uh, Simicube company. And uh, they were kind of, you know, saying that the Simicube or the Sim Magic was based off the Simicube carbon copy kind of thing. And then Thomas Jägermeier was saying, well, wait a minute, you were kind of copied what we were doing with the Podium series, you know. And he's got the little emoji with the devil eyes and stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of one of those threads. It just, uh, I mean, it's a servo motor you attach a steering wheel to. I don't know how much originality you can get there. It just seems kind of weird. The uh, the back and forth is not very professional, but very entertaining. So, uh Kind of odd. Um, I got an AccuForce, which I think came before both of those guys, so they're all ripping off my wheel. <laughs> yeah, I'm not particularly concerned about any either one of them looking less professional. About everybody likes it when somebody gets down and gets in the mud, um, but um, I'm just surprised that they're not exposing themselves illegally. Well, I mean, you can't really enforce a lot of copyright infringement with uh, three different companies in three different parts of the world, you know, especially when one of them is Hong Kong. All right, Will, we got a sneak peek of a DSD wheel again. Yeah, Derek Spears Designs posted up a picture of the wheel they've been working on on their Instagram. It's a formula-style wheel used to uh, attach to a direct drive wheelbase, um, depending on which knockoff you got. But uh, it's a nice-looking wheel. looks like it has five different rotary knobs, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 total push buttons, and it's a... Uh, it's a very nice looking wheel. What do you guys think? The buttons are in reach, and it looks bulletproof. It looks like it's really, really, really sturdy. The only thing I'd be a little concerned of is that looks very similar to the push buttons I have on my AccuForce. And they work great, but they're just not very tactile. Um, I would, I hope they go with something a little more tactile on that. I'd even think about getting it at that point. I kind of have the same issue on my current F1 wheel with the Fanatec with those bo buttons at the very bottom, the red ones, uh, they're going to be hard to reach, especially if you have small hands. 
Okay, David, what's next? Well, we mentioned a little bit earlier, we're planning for the 24 hours, and we had a guy that kind of put out a fueler question. He's got a friend that's trying to uh, get into software development, and he's building up his portfolio for his career. And he was asking, what would you want to know for a software that helps driver rotation and management in a, a, for a 24-hour race? And we already, we're already using a spreadsheet that, that kind of has a lot of this information. And I'm enjoying the spreadsheet with about the only biggest flaw on it is it's just a matter of working with Google Sheets or, or Excel either way is that putting in the times is a little clunky because if you don't do the formatting right, it throws all the formulas off. But he talks about trying to design an app for Android possibly or, or any other platform. And based on people's replies so far, he's put in requests for data, including uh, driver time zone, average lap time, time slot availability, length of a fuel run, and uh, as well as ways to think about the, the local time of the sim, um, ways to pre preferred sleep patterns, adjustable lap time so that if the car is damaged, and backup driver availabilities. And on the spreadsheet that we've marked, I can say that the that backup driver thing is one thing that it doesn't have in there, a neat feature. It has most of the other stuff. But it was just basically a filler saying, hey, what would need to be needed in this kind of software? Well, the other thing is I can't digest that Google Sheet on my iPhone. It's just it's just too big to actually look at on a small screen. And, and you can really only look at it like on a computer because of how much information is there and how many different columns and different things. So, yeah, I would love an app that is designed for an iPhone or an Android that gave the information in a, a very easy to read, digestible way, especially as a driver. You know, uh, you have a maybe there's a manager version that like David does where he does all the assignments and everything and. And then there's a driver version where you just get have your view. You get to see what's important to you, like what are your shifts and that kind of thing. Yep, there's uh, the spreadsheet's not perfect, but except that it's got the guy did so much complex programming within the spreadsheet. Uh, an app would just take it to the next level, and probably most of the most of the flaws in the spreadsheet would be done through user interface more than the math, which has already kind of worked out. So. Considering that spreadsheet's just kind of out there, this guy could probably just take a sneak peek into that spreadsheet for a lot of the coding. You're right. I mean, if he just copied what that did and made it into a nice user interface, he's already halfway there, you know. All right. Will, uh, somebody asking, where do you buy your 80-20 for it yourself? Yeah, so somebody posted in the forums asking that question, and uh, the community provided some answers, and we're going to share those here with you. Uh, Framingtech.com. Tnuts with the Z.com and 8020.net. Um, those are your sources to find 8020. Um, I know I use 8020.net a lot um, when I'm just kind of looking at for inspiration and ideas for whenever I do build my rig. Um, they give you a lot of good information, dimension, sizes. But yeah, if you're looking to build your own 8020 rig or want to make modifications to one you bought, um, check out these sites for um, everything you need. Yeah, and some of the people on the thread were saying T-Nuts uh, has a sale going on, and they have a bunch of really uh, good deals. Okay, next up, uh, Jeff Ford, uh, who puts together PCs and sells them on Facebook to a lot of iRacers. Uh, he said in the forums that he has bought one of those Sim Magic uh, direct drive wheels from Hong Kong. He paid $1,050 shipped. 
uh, he will let it let us know how it works. And so that's the first iRacer I've heard of that actually has bought one. So uh, we'll find out. Okay, Will, we got another new design for 2020. Yeah, this is a button box um, from Sim Racing for You. Um, it's their 2020 design. It works on PC or PS4. Has 26 functions, and it's a it's a pretty clean looking button box. Um, what do you guys think about it? Yeah, we've talked about these guys before, and uh, for the price, you know, a hundred dollar euro, I think it's a good deal. Yeah, it's a very like- clean looking design. I'm sorry, David, but uh, I do like the fact that it does have four rotary encoders. That seems like a good deal for a button box that has those. Well, it doesn't just have the four rotary. It had there's two more additional, I guess, rotaries. I don't know if they're toggles or rotors, but the two in the bottom left are nice looking too and they're kind of a different design and a little bit easier to grab than the rotaries i really like the big old ignition and start you know with the cover over it and my ignition button on my uh, dsds is actually just how i get it in and out of the car okay it's pretty so that, handy so uh, where do you get that it's sim racing for you dot my online dot store i really wish uh tony was here this this next item uh, we've got CAD files available now for basically some do-it-yourself F1 wheels and an oval wheel. This guy on this website at turnracing.com has basically all the information you need to make your own wheel. It's, yeah, $25. Uh, you can download mm-hmm. the CAD file. Uh, there's a, a formula design and an oval design, and they're both very button-intensive. Yeah, he's had kinda... these for a while. Uh, he has a new one. He just did the 911 GT3 Cup car. Yep. Now, I really like the the layout of the of the GTE CAD or the GTE one uh, because it has all of the all of the rotary dials kind of down low, and then a lots of buttons up top where they're kind of easier to reach. I would I I really like that layout. Yeah, I think that's his original CAD design, uh, CAD drawing, but that's a $30 download for that one. So what do you have to have? You have to have a 3D printer and that's it? or No, I'd have to dive in deeper to find out. Is it, um, at least the designs that he's showing, that looks that's some kind of carbon, carbon fiber. I don't know how you 3D, 3D, 3D print carbon fiber. I almost bet you it's like a, like a vinyl wrap on it. That's pretty neat. If you like do-it-yourself stuff, that's a good way to go. But speaking of doing it yourself, one of the things that a lot of people have been doing themselves lately has been uh, putting the spec files on their cars. Um, and one of the things that we have been able to do in the past is edit our or change our wheels in game from Chrome to matte. And so some people were asking if if it could be shared what the matte and Chrome settings are for in iRacing Paint Shop. And we have that information for you. Chrome rims have a roughness of 0.15 and a metallic of 1.0. And the matte rims have a roughness of 0.13 and a metallic of 0.0. So there you go. If you want to make your chrome, make your paints exactly match the texture of your wheels, that's the numbers you need. Okay, very good. Um, if I painted, I would probably want those numbers. So uh, check those out. Uh, they're on the script. And you can get the show notes, guys, by going to the description of the podcast. Scroll down. There is a link. All right, next up, we heard from Brian McCubin, um, and he said, have you guys seen the Samsung Odyssey G9 gaming monitor? And he said it may be better than triples. There's a preview over at Boosted Media YouTube channel. So I went and checked it out, and sure enough, uh, Boosted Media 
had a video up about it. Uh, this monitor was actually at the CES 2020 show. And uh, what do you guys think? Uh, this is a beauty, man. And uh, talk about specs. Wow, 240 hertz. You know, if I, if I ever did go back to monitors, I would almost want to go this route just because I, I wouldn't like having those bevels in the middle. So you go this route, you don't have those anymore. 49-inch, 1440p, Samsung. I mean, it doesn't really get better than that. The only thing I that threw me off was, what if I want to mount it on a rig? It doesn't look like it's mountable. It's only on a table stand. I'm sure somebody or even they'll make something that can attach to that back mount. Um, I have a Asus monitor that you can't mount onto a, uh, a rig via VESA mount, but there is an adapter you can buy for it. Um, I really hope they come up with a solution for that because uh, I almost bet you a third of the people who buy that monitor are going to be buying it. And the curve, doesn't it look like it's got more curve than a traditional curved monitor? Well, it's, it's a triple wide almost, so it has more room. It has more circumference to wrap around. Right. Yeah, it's an ultra-wide curved. Uh, yeah, it's a beauty. Um, yeah, thanks for the tip uh, from a listener there about that one. Uh, Adam, tell us what else did we see at the CES 2020 show? All right. We've been in business for over... Am I on the right thing here? Nope. The Razer. Uh, oh, okay. Right here. All right. We got a Razer Concept Racing Simulator cockpit. I'm looking at it right now. Wow. That thing is a beauty. Um, yeah. So Razer, the keyboard uh, mouse manufacturer, right? Yeah, I, I believe so. And they've got a they've got a pretty cool cockpit here. It uh, looks like it's on. I don't know if it's motion or not, but it's got a wraparound screen, speakers up up top. Yeah, pro quite dual projector. projector up there. Yeah, I think it's oh, dual okay. projector and then wraparound screen. Now that just the projection system alone, guys, is bomb. Now we've seen something like this before. I think it was based out of Australia. Uh, I don't know if this is custom or where they got it, but boy, it really looks good. That's neat looking. I don't. I imagine that's not very cheap. <laughs> and then cheap. the the cockpit is D box. If you look closely, it's a Vacero. Now we talked about Vacero before. If you look carefully at the design of the steering wheel column, you'll see it matches the the Vacero cockpits. This seems very extreme product for Razer to kind of jump in on considering they pretty much are known for making mice and keyboard and headphones um and then their first rig is something as awesome as this it just uh seems like a big jump but it looks like they have some really good partners they're working with to kind of get this thing get this thing up and going yeah the pedals uh on the forums they indicated uh the pedals are actually heiskenveld ultimates uh, that have been rebranded as razor and if you look they're actually got the lime green color uh, the seat belt system and the, the cockpit or Vasaro, uh, they are also rebranded to be Razor with the green, you know, the lime green. Uh, and I understand the steering wheel is Fanatec um, as well. And it looks like a, is that the 2.5 base? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't, there's no price, uh, but they're, I don't know if they're just doing it to show off at the CES show or, uh, but they do have a website at Razor.com slash concept slash razor ultimate racing simulator and you can actually see the details of it um, they actually as you scroll down uh, it indicates the company providing the the screen technology is simpit technology 
I have to look them up. So if you want to spend a lot of don't want to spend a lot of money on your screen, but you spend a lot of money on a VR headset, uh, there's a new VR headset from Pimax with a possible 180 hertz refresh rate. Whoa. Yeah, um, and you can go and look at their website at all the different specs. But my be- favorite quote when I was looking at the thread was that they should include a video card that can run it. Yeah, it's called the 8KX is the name of it by Pimax. And up until today, I think Pimax already had the best VR out there. And now this new product, which was announced at CES, uh, I think uh, Bino, uh, who we've quoted on the show before, uh, said it best, uh, hey, there's no graphics card that can actually run it. Yeah, it's um, got a 170-degree horizontal field of view. That's, I feel like, probably more than necessary. Um, I'm happy with the field of view, or I was when I ran my Oculus. I think resolution and frame rate are the two most important thing, and uh, I feel like using those extra pixels to get that higher field of view is probably drawing extra power that's not needed. Um, Adam, are you running monitors or or VR? I'm on three 27 inch Acer monitors. Okay, because um, I've only I've driven a late model at Memphis, right? That's about, that's the me- most I've really actually had in, any experience in a real race car. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that when when that helmet's on, and you've got that Hans device on, you don't have peripheral vision. You can't see at all. I I drove no. a four cylinder car and I couldn't see anything. I I had to use my hearing more than anything to tell when someone was near me. So I'm, I'm kind of mostly used to racing that way, and I spent a long time racing with a single monitor as well, where I just had to rely on the sound on my headphones and, and the spotter and just kind of having an idea of what kind of momentum that car had when I was around it. Now, with the VR, I, I catch myself checking sometimes in the ovals. I can just sneak a peek to the right, even though I can't do that on, on the real world. So I, I don't think field of view is what's missing. I know the screen door effect has been the biggest complaint, but for me, even the Rift S has done away with the screen door effect. Right. Yeah, I think the Rift S, like the way the headband is, I don't think is efficient for sim racing and sitting in a rig. I believe it has that big dial knob on the back for adjustment. Um, the original Rift has, I think, the better headset as far as the way it fit for sim racing, but it didn't have the best quality resolution. If they could land somewhere in the middle... And if one of these VR companies actually made something dedicated for sim racing, I think we have a really awesome product. Yeah, the, the dial, I guess, doesn't bother me because I don't head back when I'm racing. I always, I'm always holding it up. Okay. Save your pennies. Uh, no price announced. All right, Will, uh, what, what's next? We have another uh, 2020 uh, time to step it up a notch. Yeah, this is a post from SimSeats via their Facebook page, and... Uh, they said they've been in business for 10 years, and it's time to step it up a notch. It um, looks like they're putting in a rig that uses triple 55-inch curved TVs and a three-inch travel on all four corners via D-Box motion, um, speed-sensitive fans. It looks like they have a really nice-looking Sparco seat, and it looks like they were in the process of powder-coating the frame. So we can't see that in the picture, but it looks like they are setting up something really nice and... Uh, if you want to follow them on their Facebook page, you could get updates on this rig they're putting together. How about triple 55-inch curves, man? I, I don't know if uh, that that's something there. That's almost twice the size of what I'm sitting in right now. You know, I always thought 27 is the sweet spot um, as far as, uh, you know, not everything looking giant or out of proportion. Like, for example, the size of your actual steering wheel 
matches the virtual steering wheel if you're looking at a 27 inch versus a 55 inch. Yeah, I think a properly set up triple 27 inch is really the best monitor setup. I feel like to get these 55 inch proper, you're gonna have them so far away from you. Um, it's just gonna seem weird. It'll look nice. I mean, from just looking at it, you know, eye candy, but you're right. Will it be weird to race on it? So everybody out there, podcast listeners, Mike has a wife to feed. Yes, I need help. Uh, nobody's bought my video card yet. My 1080 Ti, guys. Uh, boy, it's a gigabyte card. It's got 11 gigabytes of RAM. Man, and it works. It just came off the bench at Gigabyte. They did a full test on it. And I know it. they told me it works perfectly. So it's guaranteed to work. And I'm going to lower the price to 450 instead of 500 because I need to sell it. Uh, I need to make up for my huge mistake of my bad troubleshooting and get that card sold. Please, 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 somebody out there buy it from me. Hit me up. 450 and if you're a listener and you tell me you're a listener, free shipping. All right, let's get into results. Uh, Adam, you've been uh, winning, but uh, uh, some some of these races are uh, bringing up your uh, I rating. But uh, tell us about your run this week. Um, sun- Sunday nights have been running the Tri-State Super Series, Super, super Late Model League fixed setups. Um, the admin edits them so they're a little more raceable. Uh, finished third Sunday night at the Bullring. Um, I thought I gained enough points to catch the leader in points, but we're, we're sitting about 10 spots out of the lead. So going into this next Sunday, we're going to hopefully try and catch him. And then thir- last last night in the Simcrow SK Modified at New Smyrna, I finished third. And right after that, I jumped into the Sim Auto Racing Association Davis Chassis Works Contender Series at the Boring again. This is an open setup league. I finished eighth. I won SK races this week in the Modifieds and Officials, and I finished fourth in the Tour Mod at Phoenix 2008. Try to be. All right. Will, how'd you run? So I picked up a P2 in the iRacing Rallycross Series. Um, was a, it was a great race. I feel like I performed really well. Um, it's just the guy who won it was just outright faster than me. I'm not really a whole lot I could do there. Um, I stuck with him better in the feature than I did in the heat race, but just didn't pick up enough pace. Um, also ran, got a P7 in the Dirt Pro Late Model. Um, it was a really rough race. Um, just driving standards on Dirt Oval suck. Um, no, no fun really anymore. If you're not fast enough to stay up front, and if you're basically, I would say, third on back it's just a matter of survival um nobody cares to not hit somebody else it's um it's really sad it's kind of taking a lot of the fun out of it for me but uh i gotta try to get over that and muscle my way through or just spend more time on setups to get quick enough to get up closer to the front um i was about fifth or sixth quickest in the race qualified there got dumped in the heat race recovered to make the feature started 10th got up as high as six at one point um it was still was in incidents um really spent most of the race dodging people running under caution starting up dodging people again it's a uh, dirt oval racing has not been fun for me just the way driving standards are out there but uh i've been having fun on the roadside okay and david how'd you do well uh winter series this monday my bad luck continued i don't think i've really had a good finish there yet uh this time i got dive bombed on and dumped on lap 15. the guy did apologize at the end of the race he said it came down to not being used to the tire model quite yet and also he was having some issue with his with his pedals and generally if when i hear 
that it's not my fault, that pretty much erases it from my memory. I just, I, I guess I just kind of like to be as caution free as I can. And I'd already made enough mistakes the week, couple of weeks before with sales spins that, that it felt good to hear that it wasn't my fault. Um, so me and me and that guy are good. Actually, we're friends and we'll, we'll enjoy racing around each other all the time. Um, and I got several P2s and P3s, uh, in the road, in the road racing, both at Road America and Nuremberg this week and last week. But I uh, got shut out at Road America as far as wins after winning the first two weeks. All right. Yeah, you've been busy. I've been running uh, unofficial uh, kind of stuff. Carb Cup, Pickup Cup, Delara Dash. Delara Dash last week was at Daytona. And I think I told the guys, uh, this car combo and track combo is the ultimate test of force feedback on a direct drive wheel. Uh, the Indy car at Daytona over the bumps. Man, you got to hold that wheel. And I, I'm running 100%. And uh, I think I sprained my finger. I, I got one of the big wrecks. There were a lot of wrecks this week uh, at Daytona. Uh, I usually hold, try to hold the wheel when I wreck. I, I don't know. I, I think I don't want it to, like, flail, you know, without my, you know, holding it down. To, I don't want it to break, I guess. I don't know why I do it. But I usually try to hold it, and it's usually not a problem. But Somehow, some way, I think I sprained my right finger at the knuckle, and it, it hurts. It is sore, and uh, yeah, first world problems. I got a sim racing injury, guys. I think that wheel's more likely to hurt you than it is to hurt itself. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to be a little more careful about taking my hands off the wheel when I hit the wall or something, uh, because it can happen. It just happened to me. And I did I don't run with as much force feedback as you do, but uh, being on vacation last week and the week before, you know, I was running a ridiculous amount of of road races and also practicing for the 24, which has quite a few of those sharp left-hand turns. Uh, and my shoulder was actually hurting. Uh, and I don't know if it was from the driving or from the lifting. Uh, and now that I've, it's that the last couple of days, I've been back to teaching. So I've only been getting one or two races in a day and it's not hurting as bad. So it's interesting. And boy, I'm ready for season. All right, let's get into final thoughts. David Hall. Stream twitch.tv slash mixmage. I've had some really great interactions on there. We even had a great argument after a, a, a incident with a GT3 driver in, or a GTE driver in a race uh, where we had a disagreement on, on how to take a corner. Uh, come on my stream. Hang out with me. Yeah, lots of people uh, starting to interact over there. Get on it. Will Gibson, final thought. I feel like I had my rant a minute ago about the driving standards on dirt oval. Um, just, uh, I think I'm kind of with you, Mike, I'm excited for the NIS season to start up here. Um, yeah, just let's get her going. All right. Very good. Adam Jocelyn, your final thoughts. Yeah, I'm right. I'm ready to get going here this season and NIS and actually real racing too. I'm going to a racing show tomorrow. We're, we're rolling our modified into the, into the, to the um, show and it's going to be there all weekend and ready. Ready for all sorts of racing. So tell us quickly about your real life racing. I don't think you mentioned it. What exactly are you running and where? I, I work on a, um, it's called a, it's not like an SK modified. It's kind of, it's a, it, it's a modified in the, up here in Maine. And we go all, all, all over New Hampshire, Maine. Uh, we're going to Vermont this year. And uh, we, we, won, we won the championship last year. I'm, I'm the video guy, so I I record videos at each race and put up a video a couple of days after of how the race went and any any highlights. All right. Well, that sounds like a, a good time, so enjoy. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Thanks for coming on the team and uh, looking forward to running with you this year. Thanks for having me. I look forward to it. All right. Very good. Uh, my uh, final thoughts, man, uh, ready for season, uh, seeing the peak guys get together, seeing the 24 hour practice. I know Daytona 500s here and I have a calm confidence, I think going into this race. Uh, I know I can win it. I've done it before. We've talked about it before. I, I can always win at these restrictor plates and I feel very confident anyway. Uh, I, I the next thing is I'd always hoped that the podcast uh, could be crowdsourced for content. And we're kind of getting to that point where it's getting closer every day. Uh, every week we're now, you know, getting uh, tips and stories from listeners. Uh, and, and I love it. And it helps me. And it really, it's one less thing I have to do. So please continue to do that. But I want to say the best way to do it is by Gmail guys and not other ways facebook messenger and because it's just hard for me to get it in the dock so the best way is gmail it's iracerslounge at gmail.com just shoot me a link with a short sentence and that's all i need and if you did that i'll you're part of the podcast and we appreciate it don't forget we have a great guest lineup uh i don't think we've had this many guests booked in a row but we got anthony alfredo with us next week then justin Melillo. From the RacingExperts.com, uh, we'll come in and talk about the eNASCAR free agency, and then James Pike from the Podium Esports to talk about the Daytona 500. And uh, real excited about that. And with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.